Greetings, everyone. This is the Go Long Podcast at golongtd.com. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, wherever, however you listen to the show. We greatly appreciate it. And of course, really appreciate everyone who subscribes at Go Long to read the stories. Um, eight a month, 50 a year. You can always hop on the free list, give it a free trial. And if you like, upgrade anytime. No ads, no corporations, no pandering, no BS. Of course, the podcast, we are fueled by our friends at Fatty Beer Company. We are not at Fatty right now, Jim. We're remote. We really should be at Fatty, but we had to record at 10 a.m., probably a little early for a morning beer, for a morning, even even a hang at a brewery. I don't think they're open this early. So, you know, we'll, ha- we'll have to get back there uh, sometime soon. I'll tell you what, that North Tonawanda spot, really sharp. I liked it up there. All their spots. It seems like every time we go to a different one we haven't been to, it always seems like it's alive. And when we did that interview, when you were sitting outside, it seemed pretty, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there with you. But yeah, man, hey, there's no such thing as, I think it's the good way to say it is we're just not having a beer this morning. There's no (laughs) such thing as a bad, there's no such thing as not, morning beers are fine. I don't know the last time I had a beer early in the day, though, to be honest. You know, it's uh, no, same with you me. start I'm having kids. Say. Those days start pretty those early. Days are over. Those days are yeah, over. those days are long gone. I will say this, though. That's usually a good sign of the rest of your day is probably going to be pretty fun. If you can remember the times you've had morning beers, the rest of the day usually is fun. However, you, however you describe fun. I'll say this too. I mean, it was the case uh, when Game of Thrones was really at its apex before they lost their way and it became a clown show, Disneyified. Ugh, man, the last season was so disappointing. All about business. About it. All about business. Oh, it was just yeah. They're just making money and you know forgetting that the Starbucks cup is sitting right there in Game of Thrones times. Um, Anyways, but like the when it was at its best. And all of these evil leaders are just hanging out, talking. They were always drinking wine. Like, you couldn't watch Game of Thrones and not drink wine yourself. Right. And now we're really into Succession, which is unbelievable. I'm a, late to the party, obviously. With I'm late to the party. You're, you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's worth doing. And they drink a lot of, uh, you know, whiskey and liquor in the yeah. show nonstop. And I find myself just moseying on over to the bar <clears throat> in the basement and pouring a little... Jack Daniels <laughs> can't help it. It's it, I don't know. It's subliminal. I'm, I'm sure like, no, it's, I was watching the one show. There was a Laguita's IPA, like just sitting there when they were talking. I'm like, how much money did that company get so, from HBO just to have that product placement? Oh, that we said the Ibita, the Nor the New Orleans beer. Is that the beer you said? Laguita. Oh, you said that one. I didn't know, but Ibita. I think it's I B I T A in, in New Orleans is like a beta yeah. spray. They have this same, but they pop up everywhere. Like Treme, you would see them on that show on HBO. Yeah. I mean, they find ways to get in. Yeah. Speaking of uh, alcohol, I think outsiders may have read my story on Carlton Davis, read his comments, seeing how bold, how brash. How confident he is in his Tampa Bay Buccaneers and wonder, what is Carlton Davis on right now? Does he not know that Tom Brady left, that he has retired? Well, I'm telling you, 
he means every word. There was emotion and passion and even anger and how Carlton Davis delivered uh, what he said. I mean, and, and if anybody missed it, I probably should should pull it up. It kind of took on a life of its own. And, you know, Stephen A. Smith and NFL Network and ESPN, a lot of folks obviously are going to pick up the quotes. And I got no problem with it. Hey, I want people to read the story. I want them to know about Go Along and everything we have going on here. Obviously, it was a deeper story than just Carlton Davis riffing on Tom Brady leaving, um, got into his past and the reason why. But anyways, here's here's what Carlton Davis said. We're about to do it to him. Anybody who feels we've lost Tom and lost something is going to be in for a rude awakening. A rude awakening. Tom was a great addition for us, but obviously it's a team sport. Obviously, you need components to be successful. We still have those components, and I'm only getting better. I asked Carlton what this quote-unquote rude awakening entails, and he did tilt his head down, dramatically lift his eyes up, and he issued a warning, which kind of sounded like a threat. Earmuffs, kids. Quote, we're going to wreck shit. Like, wreck shit. Interceptions, turnovers, plays will be made. I will say plays will be made. He said the defense is even better now than it was in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. You may remember Patrick Mahomes running for his damn life. He ran for 497 yards before he attempted to pass or was sacked. Insane per NFL Gen stats there. Quote, we've got to be the best in the effing NFL right now. That's how I'm trying to be. And you can only do that first starting with you and then allowing your play to become contagious. He also said the division is effing worse than it was before. Quote, we run through the division, get to the playoffs, run through the playoffs, and it's the Super Bowl. So Carlton Davis, baby, he's feeling it. I've got a lot of thoughts on his thoughts and his opinion in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But first, Jim, uh, you were in personnel. What is your take on Carlton's take? I don't expect anything else other than that from him knowing more after reading the story on him and then knowing about him as a player, just from watching him, of course he thinks they're going to wreck shit. The defense is filled with ballers, NFL winning Super Bowl caliber defense players. They also have that at the skill set, which he goes against in practice every day. He sees Mike Evans. He sees Godwin. He knows they have legit receivers. We're not talking about two things, though, before we get too too far on Tampa. There's two things we're going to talk about, called a quarterback and a head coach. But before we go there, he has every right to feel confident looking at his defense and who he goes to battle with every day, practice, workouts, all of them, professional Super Bowl, like we said. Now you look at the division, like he said. Love that. Love that he's paid attention to, hey, we – we're not scared of any of those quarterbacks. That's what he's talking about. At the end of the day, he's not. He, they don't know him, so he's not scared of him. Not scared of Carolina. We don't know him yet. Don't know Atlanta yet. Derek Carr. You know how we both. I how I feel about the Saints. I feel like they are the best team in that division because of Carr and the defense. If Tampa had, let's go all the way back to what I said. Head coach, quarterback. This is the issue I have with Tampa, and why I wouldn't be so excited if I was him. They're missing – is Mayfield really that good? Is he good enough 
that you feel that confident, we have to see that. What's behind him is scary, okay? Because they're aren't they're not excited about Trask. Like Mayfield came in and kind of grabbed that thing pretty quick, it seemed to me, which tells you Mayfield is a professional. He's had su- some success in the NFL, so he knows how to prepare. You know, and you and I have talked about Mayfield plenty. I think there's a ceiling on Mayfield. That's where you and I would differ. You think that, that he could have a year. Based on his skill set around him, a good offensive line, yeah. It is set up for Mayfield to succeed. They're not going to have to score a ton of points to win, in my opinion, based on what Davis is talking about. The defense is legit. It's pass rushers. It's corners. It's linebackers. It's continuity. It's a head coach who's a defensive coach. So I just I'm with him on the defense. I'm also a believer in what Vegas says, too, where they have them ranked last in the division right now as far as plus 700 to win the division. That's a big underdog. They they see a gap between Tampa and the rest of the division, quite frankly. I do not. I would disagree. That is a probably a good price to grab Tampa at if you are gambling on them. Because if Mayfield hits, they're just like the Saints and they're battling. So you're getting good value. But I don't see them threatening. Unless I'm missing something with Mayfield, that would be. And Bowles, quite frankly, I like Bowles as a coach. I respect everything he's done. But has he done anything to make me say they're ready to, you know, take that next step? So Bowles and the quarterback Mayfield would be my concerns. That's a great analytical breakdown. Hard to argue. Just defensively, while you while you mentioned it, for, for those who might not remember that defense kind of chasing. Yeah, go through some of these pass rushers because if you don't know the I mean, um not Barrett, but that other the um you know who I'm talking about. Um, try, is it Tryon? Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Joe Tryon. Oh, I like him. They drafted, is it Cansey out of Pitt? Yeah. I know the scouts loved him. Go back and read Bob McGinn's uh, draft series on, on him. Ooh. But they still have Devin White. You know, he wasn't quite as good last year, but man, when that defense was firing all cylinders, he, he really was the Mahomes antidote he was unbelievable uh, incredible blitzer you know lsu you remember those lsu practices well, it's we, different we, in baton rouge LSU <laughs> Very in different. look what they have going on in women's basketball in baseball right now like lsu is just athletically that athletic department is getting it done then in the secondary i mean carlton davis they re-signed jamel dean i think this is what's really interesting it, the, the Bucks easily could have looked at 2023 as a wash, as what everybody else envisions it to be mm-hmm. post Tom Brady. But they gave Jamel Dean a big deal. I think four years, 52 mil. Um, Levante David had options. I think the Bills looked at Levante David. You know, 10 years, he's been one of, if not the, the best tackling linebacker in football. They chose to keep him instead of move on from a veteran there. Uh, they still have Vita Vea, you know, Logan Hall's a young player. They're hoping to get something out of Shaquille Barrett. Yeah. Unbelievable tragedy with him and his wife went through losing a child. I believe they are expecting another child. So best to his family. And, and back in that secondary, Antoine Winfield Jr., the peace sign right in Tyreek's face. This is a defense that is going to blitz a lot for better or worse. Remember the Cooper Cup play in the divisional round the year after the Super Bowl, right? Like the, 
That was a game Tampa Bay could have won. That's a Super Bowl they could have won. A few weeks later, they didn't. Um, so they're going to take chances, and that's where Carlton Davis comes into play. I really think his, his rhetoric means something and has substance to it. This isn't somebody just shooting from the hip. This isn't a, a somebody that really wants to be in the headlines. I didn't really get that sense from Carlton Davis that like he is one of those cornerbacks that wants no. to run his mouth and make himself out to be a caricature or a cartoon. No, that that's not him. Like His play style is a direct reflection of everything you heard. It, it really is. He wants to get in your grill. Um, it's it's funny the way uh, his teammate uh, Zion McCollum kind of described his play style. It's like he's trying to punch holes through receivers. Like he is punching you at the line of scrimmage. I love to complain about the NFL as much as anybody and where it's going with the flags and the fines and softening, but you still have those five yards where it's all out war. I mean, you can go to battle. You can do whatever you want. And Carlton Davis, whether you're a 6'4 receiver or a 5'8 receiver who, you know, if you miss, he's gone. See ya, 70-yard touchdown. He doesn't care. He, he's going to play that game of Russian roulette. So I, I love it. I, I love the fact that he's taking ownership of the team, of the mentality. Like, hell yeah, we're going to win. And hell yeah, we want to win a Super Bowl. Here's why. And also, if we have any uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans listening, I'm going to actually have a long story. Sometime in August, I, I spent some time down there speaking to a bunch of players on, okay, this is what Carlton Davis said now. Is is he right? I think you kind of know where I'm thinking. I don't think they're going in the Super Bowl, but I think he is onto something. And it does start there with the defense. It, it starts with a nasty cutthroat group that he's leading. And I, I do want to get into his life and what, what kind of leads to him saying this. But, I mean, you are right, Jim. I mean, you got to score points in the NFL still. They've got a lot of questions. They were the worst rushing offense in football. Yeah. You're swapping Tom Brady for Baker Mayfield. Um, they they think the offensive line is going to be a lot better, but I mean, at the end of the day, you got to score points. So I, I I get it. It's hard for me to counter your point on that front. I just like Baker. I still, for better or worse, that's a hill that I'm posted up on. Yeah, and I'm not saying he can't get better or play better because I've seen him. I we talked about it. I'm with. I'm done on him as far as thinking he's going to be the guy ever, but there's still, he still can play well. There's still a spot to play well. When you break down Davis as a player, everything you said, when you, when I look at him and say, okay, he was a second round pick. What I love about him is everything you said, his nastiness at the line is everything. He is so instinctive and you can tell he actually loves football. His passion stands out. He knows how to play. And always, we would always say this about great offensive tackles, any really great player to be honest with you, but tackles sometimes, sometimes you'll notice offensive tackles who may not be comfortable playing in space athletically because they're not as gifted with their feet. Davis is not the quickest corner you will ever watch as far as coverage goes. He loses space in transition because he is taller. He is leggy. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a second gear to catch up. So what I love about him, he knows all that. He knows himself as a player. And that's why, he knows he has to win at the line and stay on you. He also knows that being instinctive and a student of the game comes into play and you will always see him coming in with that length. And if he's not making the pick, it's he's knocking it down. And the reason those knockdowns are probably not interceptions for him is because he may lack that, that little bit of twitch coming out of his transition that separates corners and, and is why some corners can 
you know, get to it. I'm thinking about like, uh, you know, the, the great corner, they all have the, there's no, we always said there's no, we call it a pause step or sometimes a guy just has that slight little pause when he's coming out of his transition that the receiver and quarterback that makes the difference. Davis has the length to come in, get the hands on the ball. I love everything about him. Obviously they want a Super Bowl with him. He's a winning corner that you can win a Super Bowl with. I love his attitude. He gets it. He sees the guys on his defense. He believes in them. He sees his division. Why not? I love his attitude. I mean, he gave up 269 yards and three touchdowns to Tyree Kill in week 12 of 2020. And that was the four o'clock slot, CBS, Jim yeah. Nance, Tony Romo, like embarrassed, like just okay. toasted, roasted, admitted That's- that he wasn't taking care of his body like he should have. What I'm saying is every every cornerback gets burnt at some point. What I'm saying is when we first talked the week of the Super Bowl, uh, I, I just thought it'd be great to catch up with Carlton Davis. Like we all saw that. And we chatted. That was the first time we quote unquote met you know, over the phone. I mean, the nonchalance and how chill he was, it was striking. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a right up in him. I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna fight. Like it's like shooting a three in basketball. It's risk reward. And I play a certain way. He he legitimately does shadow number one receivers. Yeah. yeah. A lot of guys say they do, say they live on an island, give themselves a nickname. Well, I mean, he's living that because they're blitzing all the time. And he's, I mean, he followed Jamar Chase uh, in that loss to the Bengals right. last year. And Chase only had 60 yards on 13 targets. Uh, and Davis had a pick. He was battling. It was, it was impressive. It was a lot of fun to watch. So, no. yeah, I mean, he's, I just love those kind of corners. It's old school for better or worse. You know, he might get killed at one point, but if the Buccaneers are going to have any shot in hell, like everybody else does have to kind of take on that attitude of we're going down swinging. Like we're punching. We're we're, we're not going to just waltz into these games and tiptoe. No, like in every, in every way, just these guys are already proven. They've already proven that all these, all the, This team has already proven they know how to win a Super Bowl. So the toughness, the win, they they have it. That's why they believe it. But his giving up that many yards to Tyree Kill, who the heck cares? That's giving up 35, 40 to, to Curry. Yeah. Nothing you that's can great do. Great analogy. You're, there's not a guy on the planet that if you play by the rules that can match up with Tyree Kill. So big deal. Curry's getting yeah. 40 on everybody, just like Tyree Kill would. If you if you don't get your hands on Hill, you're losing. Just like if you don't put pressure on Mahomes or Burrow or Josh Allen, you're going to get beat. And if you don't get your hands on Tyree Kill, you're going to get beat. He knows it. So that's why for him, hey, I know my best chance. I got to get my hands on him. If not, hey, he does it to everybody. And you've said it. Uh, the the way the game is set up and and, and how offensive friendly it is, I've kind of changed my tune on this too. Like I always looked at blitzing and being aggressive as a poison pill because quarterbacks are so smart and they know where to go with the ball. That okay, that's where the blitz is. That's where I got to go. Boom, done, toast. And and that that may be the case still with the best of the best, but I don't. know. I feel like the quarterbacks are so good. Everything's tilted to the offense. Like give yourself a, a a puncher's chance. Like just go go down. Like swing it, blitz pressure um do crazy stuff in every possible way because that you're gonna have to and i think even like the chiefs have done that at times through their reign um if you're just gonna sit back and think that you're gonna mentally conf- 
refuse a quarterback? Correct me if I'm wrong, Jim. I feel like not many teams and not many coordinators can do that anymore. Where like you barely blitz, you barely pressure, and you're, you know, like Rex tried to do that kind of stuff. Um, it's t- I feel like it's it's that's a that's a difficult needle to thread. I would have to do more and look and, and really yeah. study and look what teams are doing what because those stats are out there. I don't personally look at those stats that hard, but I think that is a good topic to bring up as far as what is the percentage, what is going on right now in the NFL as far as who is who are the are there teams that aren't blitz heavy and having success? Look at the Bills, Sean McDermott versus Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's, he doesn't. He's not pressuring him a lot, is he? In an ideal world, well, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd love to use as many guys as you can to help in coverage because of it's just so hard. Yeah. You'd love to be able to get to the quarterback with your front four. You would. What I'm saying, though, the, 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 the best of the very best are so talented and so smart. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, like mm-hmm. – you can you could drop all eleven into coverage. No, yeah, I'm not, and they're not gonna sure. thread a needle. They're gonna make a play. No, so yeah. you might as well try to fluster them. You have to do something to get to them, Tyler. However, it is that's that's all I know. That all yeah. I get. It's hard for me to ever say. I don't think there's a right answer. If there was, I think you know somebody would have. It, to me, the right answer is get to the quarterback, however you can, because to your point, if you aren't, you're done based on the rules. They, they you have no chance. I mean, ideally, right, you do it with four. You do it without blitz. Ideally. If you've got ideally, four guys, but, but then yeah. That's not realistic. Yeah. It's not realistic. Exactly. I do love uh, Dave Canales, offensive coordinator. Carlton Davis made some good points in that, like, they're going to actually get the quarterback on the move. I mean, Tom Brady threw more passes than anybody in the NFL last year, but it was like, takes a snap, throws it. It was just, you know, a pop a shot in the back of the bar. Just – uh, a lot of short game, quick no release, getting it out. He was a he was a sitting duck. I mean, they're actually going to have some efficiency, some rhythm in theory, uh, and a running game. I mean, their run game can't get any worse. I'm not saying they're better with, without Tom Brady going to Vegas. No, no, I'm, I'm saying laughing the more offense should be better. Like the actual game plan has the potential to be better. I mean, they had yeah. no semblance of a, of a run game at all. At all. No, I was more smiling when you said that. I was thinking more about, no, you're right. You're maxed out with Brady at that point. It was, he was an easy guy to prepare for for defenses. He wasn't going anywhere. I was smiling because does Mayfield, I don't, does he really do that much? He doesn't move that well. So I'm interested to see what that, you know, why is that such a, I just think they'll be able to do more with Mayfield because he's just going to be, to be honest, he's just younger and tougher right now. It, Brady was good. Brady was checking. Let out. me ask you this. I mean, did, did you have any hope for Geno Smith before last season? Did you think that Geno Smith um, was going to be? No, anything you could never predict. Was? You could never predict. I thought Geno had more. Geno had more unknown tape on him. Geno was an unknown. I could not have predicted that. No, I can't say I'm shocked by it. Shock would be the wrong word. That's a, that's definitely, it was a surprise though. Yes. To think he sat that long and could have that success. But, um, but the reason he's been in the NFL for so long is because he is so professional and he is so, he does have talent. Um, Mayfield the same way. He came right into Tampa and got that job because he is professional, picked up what they're doing. So let's see what happens. If there's chemistry with the OC. Yeah. 
they're in the mix in that division. I mean, Canales was the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers coach from 2010 to 2017, and then the quarterbacks coach 2018, 2019, the passing game coordinator 2020, 21, and then the quarterbacks coach in 2022. So I think if there's a common denominator there. I mean, he was with Russell Wilson, Geno, every step of the way. And point being, if he can do with Geno Smith, why not Baker Mayfield? Never know. In the NFC, in the NFC, right? We have to preface that's that. Why I think, that's why I'm not putting it. I don't think it's crazy. But I'm done predicting. I'm done betting on. I'm done betting on Baker to a point. After this call, I may take them to make the win the division. Because <laughs> I got you on Atlanta. Now we're going to get you on Tampa. I think I'm Atlanta a, wins the division. You, still, I'm I, still I into that Atlanta. I'm still happy with that one. I appreciate that one. They're going to do it. Last point on Tampa, though, Jim. And this is always so hard to discuss on a podcast because there's not a, um, you know, a chart we can look to, a statistic, a metric. But football is a human game when it's the fourth quarter and it's fourth and two and you need two yards or you need to stop a team from gaining those two yards. Like, and you're on E, you're dead. There's just so much mental fortitude, just guts and uh, passion involved with the sport that is different than basketball, than baseball, even hockey, any anything. I mean, it's – how do you measure it? And I just – you know, the more I talked to Carlton Davis and learned where he is from in Miami Gardens, Florida, where – remember Joshua Harris? We had Lamar Jackson's um, private Miami quarterback Gardens. coach on the pod, and he That's touched cool. on it, you know, because Lamar was down in the same youth league. I mean, age 5 to 15, I think it's like 30,000 kids in this league. Now, it's not – as bad as it today as it is as it was then when Carlton Davis and Lamar and Isaiah McKenzie were all in this youth league because ESPN did an investigation and I, I would like to think the police are involved a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I mean there 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 are drug dealers at these games betting tens of thousands of dollars on five, six, and seven year olds, and they're just walking around with liquor in the wide open and smoking a joint. And as Carlton Davis said. A game would end in Bunch Park when they played the Cowboys. And if somebody lost the bet, there's gunfire. Somebody gets killed. And he's just a little kid hitting the deck or running to take shelter. I mean, shit, like you grew up like that? As he said, what's the pressure of a Super Bowl? What's the pressure of people saying you're nuts for talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in these terms? There's no pressure for Carlton Davis. She's got friends that are locked up for life, for murder, you know? And he really detailed how he broke away from that world and, and took the good of that world, growing up in the streets and playing street ball all day, all night, till 1, 2 a.m., yet somehow harnessing it for good, avoiding it. You know, his mom uh, is a poet, and she would do slam poetry, and Carlton would open for her down there. Uh, these poetry slams, which was wild, his dad was in the Navy, get him to like Navy training at five, six, seven years old, running around the sand pit uh, by the Miami Dolphins stadium. Then his dad leaves him in middle school. So there's some anger pent up there as well. I think it's, I mean, this dude's been through a lot is my point. He's been through a lot and I don't think you can just overlook it. And that does manifest itself in the sport of football some way, somehow for good, I believe for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So. It matters where you come from because the game is just, you know, I don't know how 
I don't know how you you know say that helps your team on the field, but it it, it does in those moments, those those pressure packed moments to have somebody who isn't gonna feel pressure. Remember Zay Jones too, you know he almost throws himself thirty floors high in the LA condo and says, well, what's what's pressure for him at that point when you know you easily could have should have died if not for your brother. Of course, you're going to have all those clutch catches he had for the Jaguars last year. The two-point conversion against Baltimore, three touchdowns against Dallas. I, I think there's a connection there, and I I love the fact that he's trying to speak it into existence. You've always said it. I've always agreed with you. These players are built different, wired different. It's the NFL. It's it's not for everybody. You know, just it's it's just not. And that that mentality is why he can go up. We look at like, oh man, pressing Tyree Kill. Oh, that's ooh, watch out. He might run by you. Like, really? That's the ba- that's the worst thing he can do is I can miss him and he's gonna run by me and I won't catch him. I mean, that's playing a game. That's fun. That's playing tag as a kid. So football to him, that's not looked at as anything but pure release of, of everything. Whatever he's in the mood, whether it's joy, anger, he can get it all out on the field. And that's not just him. When you talk about his story, I could I feel like I was at Auburn, coming out of Auburn, and writing character on Davis, you know, in the background. And you're like, you get done writing sometimes, and you haven't even talked about him as a player yet. You're just typing the character background. And all of a sudden, you're like, holy shit. Like, this, how is he even alive right now? Like, and then you're like, okay, well, he's, then you type him as a player. You're like, I'd love to have this guy. But man, it, it's just the, and, and it's not just him. It, there could be two other guys on in at Auburn's class that went through the same thing in a different part of the country. So it goes to your point again. It, it's just, they're all wired different. They've been through a lot. And it's why football is a release for a lot of players and a way for them to escape their reality sometimes. How, how do you write about that in a scouting report? Oh, Jim? it's so – we write just like Tyler, just like you would probably, oh, I should, I should just find some of my long like character write-ups and, you know, they can get lengthy. Now I was pretty good at condensing. There's some scouts that would always go longer. Um, anybody that would read them always appreciated my, my old boss at the saints would always say the reader's digest version, please. And a lot of times that would come up during, um, let me think of a good example of that. Was it, I'm trying to remember if it was a guy from uh, – I'm going to think. There was a good one. I'm going to come up with it. If it's not today, another one. But I can remember him saying, Reader's Digest, and there was no way to do it. It was just a long list of everything. I'll remember the player at some point. But um, to your point, yeah, it gets lengthy because you're you're combining – you know, and you break it down in sections. Hey, this is what the coach said. This is what the trainer – you know, he goes. But when they all start saying the same thing, you know, it's – Good, bad, but yeah, it's the stories are just endless, Tyler, with where, where backgrounds on players and why football is such. It, it's what is great about football. So we have that as the good side that we like, and then we also have the business ugly side that we all saw, which I would say is Hamlin is always a good example of the fact that the NFL almost was about to play that game, um, and that is the hard, that is the crazy side of the NFL. But my, I, I've just been around so many players with his background. And if you don't love football for that reason, you know, then football is just not for you. That's why I love football. The opportunity it gives people from tough situations, unfortunate situations, a chance at at 
worse, get a free education, maybe. Obviously, not everybody's talented enough to make the NFL and get paid paid. I'll never forget the uh, the, the podcast episode that we did the next day, I believe, uh, when nobody really knew where this was going to go with Tamar Hamlin. There were some updates right from his uh, marketing manager. Everybody was kind of refreshing his Twitter account, waiting, hoping, praying for anything. But I think both of us kind of sat here like we are right now, and we're trying to reconcile our support of the sport of football. Um, we both thought about our sons and how do we just say, okay, play this sport that might've just killed somebody. And the more we thought about it, talked about it, I wrote a column on it. I, that, that DeMar Hamlin situation to me does crystallize all the good about football. When a DeMar Hamlin and McKeese rocks, more than half the people he grew up with, dead or in jail, Carlton Davis, Miami Gardens, you know, you read where he, he's from. We've had a lot of stories on a lot of guys, as you said, from really, really rough neighborhoods, blocks, upbringings, easily could have been shot and killed. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, we have a, we had a show for two seasons with him. I mean, he's, he's in Miami Gardens. He's seen dead bodies on his doorstep. He had a bullet just graze him, you know, an inch or two the other direction. And we're not talking about Isaiah McKenzie. To me, that's the good. Is like this, this sport has the has the power to lift you out of that spot, and not only you know put you on that platform to play on Monday Night Football in front of, in front of millions, but everybody back home is watching you and is inspired by you and and sees a world beyond their street, their neighborhood. I mean, Carlton Davis even said like. I lived in Miami. I never knew about the beach. I never knew right. about the heat, the Miami right. heat, the Miami dolphins. Like all I know is the street and that's it. Like you can't even put your brain to that place. Like there is something else out there. A lot of these guys, it's sad. I mean, we'll say it. Not a lot of people want to say it, but they don't have a dad. It's shameful. A lot of these dads just leave bail and that's wrong. I don't know. I, I, the player to player to player to player say their their dad just left. They don't know why, or their dad was involved with drugs, or their dad just bailed for no. I mean, Carlton's like, yeah, we were really close, and then in middle school he just left. So, anyways, uh, I mean, yeah, Demar Demar Hamlin said way back when we talked before anybody who knew Demar Hamlin was that he wanted to be an inspiration to people in the Keys Rocks, and. Now we, you can't, you can't go a week without seeing Jamar Hamlin doing something somewhere. Uh, and I think everybody back home is watching him. So to me, that's the good of football. It, it does give kids everywhere hope. You know, maybe they don't have their dad around. Maybe they don't even know what's beyond their street, but they know this player where they grew up is doing big things and whether it's football or something else, they can do big things too. And to me, that's that's why we can continue to write about, speak about, support a sport that has a lot of warts. I mean, a lot of warts that we've gotten into, whether it's the, the way they handle concussions, you know, their warm embrace of gambling, everything. There's at, at the core of the sport is still so much good. Oh yeah, there's just it's it's like I always say to everybody, it's just like every other business. I'm just not familiar with the rest of the world. Every business has politics and an ugly business side to it. And a lot of businesses are probably at, at their core 
at their heart of one, you know, they, they are trying to do something productive or good or positive, but it always gets a little, little crazy at the top. Yeah. Yeah. It does. And I, I never really get desensitized by it, Jim. And maybe I, I, did you, I mean, you're, you're speaking to these prospects nonstop and their family members and their coaches and same as me in a different business, obviously, but I never, um, I, I think I try to maybe fight that urge to just think, Oh yeah, of course he grew up like this. It's really, really bad. But what else, what else makes you interesting? Like, I don't know, like that shit's real and ruthless and horrifying in a lot of ways. And I think we got to shine a light on it and let these guys tell their stories. I don't think we should be desensitized by it all. Right? No, no, because it's almost whenever you think you've heard, heard it all, you don't, there is always another story that is going to make you shake your head. I mean, LaVisca Chenault was that two years ago. We wrote about him. I mean, he's in, the family car, his dad pulls over, walks outside, and is struck and killed right in front of him. I mean, Tyler, it's real life trauma. You know how Sammy when Watkins. We first, when we first kind of met and started doing this podcast, I told you, and I talked about it on the pod about I was hoping the best you know documentary that could be done would be the University of Florida, the Urban Years, and it's getting made. So my new one. And it goes back to what we're kind of talking about. The new one for me that would people would just be fascinated with would be the history of Mobile, Alabama, and all the athletes that have come out of there and their stories. When you really study that region, and it's not just football, check the, check the NBA as well, but it is incredible where that could go. So I think you uh, just talked. Uh... Talked us into a senior bowl trip this year. Maybe we should take the podcast down there. If you'd like to experience the greatest barbecue soul food uh, place that you'll ever have in your life in Sarah land, about 15, 20 minutes North of Mobile called Jay Rogers. Okay. Um, I may or may not have a photo in there with some people. Um, and there's been, we put them on the map and, and I know Andy Reed is a fan of that place as well. Brett Beach as well. So What's Jay Rogers that? is Jay Rogers is the only re- is really a reason enough to go to Mobile, but if you're trying to really dive into an underrated great little place, yeah, Winsels Winsels Oyster House too, right? I mean, I mean that's, you know that's part of the. I mean that's part of the deal. I haven't been at the scene. I've had, I had some good. I had uh, oysters with Doug Marone there, Russ Brandon. Oh yeah, I remember when we first. I was with the Saints. How does Doug Marone eat his oysters? You know, I don't remember if he was eating or not. He had just been hired with the Bills. So I hadn't seen him in a while. So that was kind of, we first kind of started talking again, reconnecting. And then he found out I was obviously tight with Doug Whaley and Russ Brandon. And so that's kind of what led to the kind of the reunion there that (laughs) didn't work. (laughs) Well, all of the, all of the, uh, the NFL Sausage is made in Mobile and Indianapolis. A lot of deals go down in Mobile. All right. Well, I think we need to go. I haven't been there since you and Doug were running the show ahead of the uh, golf Wentz draft. That's when we bumped into each other way back when. I do remember. Jim Jim Nagy, who runs that right now, 
Senior Bowl is the best it's ever been. There, his Twitter follow is incredible. We'll get Jim back on the show. I think you've had him on. I wasn't, or did he not? Was he we not almost here? made it happen? Bro, we I remember that. Jim on. We'll get That'd it be going great. this year. Great guy, and what he's doing with the Senior Bowl is awesome. So, let's do it. We'll get him on real quick before we sign off. I, I wanted to ask you this, and we're going to get to the. Uh, I want to do a podcast on the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford and what came out on them. But rather than jam it in to the end of this, this episode, let's uh, let's give that the real state it deserves. But I, I threw this question out on the chat app. So if you guys don't have the Substack app, make sure you add it. All the stories, if you subscribe or right on that app, um, Substack's our platform, obviously, for Go Along. And there's a chat where we'll have – Game day threads all season. So every Sunday, we're all in there ranting, raving about the games. Um, but I just threw out there, like, okay, this is what Carlton Davis says about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to shock the world, putting them on notice, threats, warnings. Here it comes. Similar to Seattle last year when they were kind of left for dead and these power rankings, right? These substantive power rankings, the, uh, the, the ugly stepchild of the mock draft. All right. But what is to you, who is the team that does shock the world this year? If it's not Tampa Bay, because I don't think you're there on Tampa. No. Who do you see as a team that everybody thinks most everybody thinks is going to be God awful this year that actually let's say makes the playoffs. I don't know. Okay, that would be tricky for me to say who people think would be god awful, but I'll give you two teams I think maybe aren't being that I think could make the playoffs. Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how much they're being talked about, but I am a fan. But I talked we I put that in way back because I thought Pickett showed signs last year that defense has superstars and they were hurt. So Pickett takes a step. My question in Pittsburgh is that OC. I'm confused. He scares me to death. Um, but he's the reason Pittsburgh would be a team in the AFC NFC would the saints count or are they being talked about? You see what I'm saying? No, you said God awful. I don't think anybody thinks the saints are going to be God awful. Um, would a team like God awful is a tricky one. You don't see like the bears or the commanders or the, you know, Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't see those teams. Right. I don't see them making a move. I do see them as being not good. <laughs> like I don't, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not believer yet. And I love, I want to believe in the bears, but I need to see it through the air. At some point. Fair enough. I like it. Don't How about you. Cause that's a tough, you said that I don't off the top of my head. I didn't, I don't have any like Yeah. Pittsburgh would be my team that I've been on. You know, I put them in early. Yeah, I like I like the Steelers. Maybe in the AFC that does qualify because of all the quarterbacks over That's there. That's why I said them, just because they're they're kind of buried in the AFC. Yeah. Nobody's really expecting Kenny Pickett to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen and no. Joe Burrow, but I, I kind of like Pickett a lot and I like the team around him a lot. I like the team around I, him too. I'll, I'll I'll go with Carlton Davis. I think the Buccaneers okay. win I mean, yeah. nine games this year. And Fair get into the playoffs potentially. Potentially, I don't know if I can get well, it goes back to your Mayfield. I mean, you I think they're gonna Mayfield, be okay. So you're consistent with your, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Rashad White, 
Um, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, the line is completely refurbished. So I, I like Tampa, of course, in the NFC South. Uh, we'll have uh, predictions again, right? We're not doing any Rushmores and rankings, but we'll we'll have our predictions right on the eve of the season, one time, and then we'll this just kind a, of tease up to when we get there. This is a this is the, a nice week for me of no gambling. Baseball is off on All Star break. There's no golf going right now, so take a little couple of days off here, and not I don't want to make any predictions right now. I like it. I like it. All right, Jim. That's a nice off-ramp for the end of the episode. Thanks so much for hanging out. We really should be outside somewhere. It's beautiful here in Western New York. So next time, let's connect at a fatty. Uh, a lot of announcements coming at Go Long. Um, have a special happy hour guest next week, a name that many people will recognize. And you need to subscribe to Go Long. Like I said, eight a month, 50 a year to hang out with said individual who will be announced very so- shortly. Jim, thank you so much.